Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our, I guess our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, so listen, let me, right off the top, let me get you to our schedule because it kind of changed and I, and I said something at the end of this pod, I got it all wrong. So basically, uh, you're listening to this podcast right now, there's going to be a gotta watch the tape going up on Friday. So that's kind of our schedule this week and then we'll be back with our post-game podcast against Baltimore. So anyway, on to this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, it's the whole crew. So it's Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Murray, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock. And what we are talking about is fill-in-the-blank questions. Our Football Insider subscribers sent us fill-in-the-blank questions, and we answered them. And we started off by comparing the Browns to Thanksgiving food. So that's right off the top. And then at the very end, we make our game picks, so stick around for that as well. Uh, If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, and we really appreciate and are thankful for our Football Insider subscribers, go to cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, get that daily newsletter delivered to your inbox, Get access to those exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns and become one of our text subscribers. It's a great opportunity to get in as the Browns try and make a push for the postseason here beginning on Sunday night. Okay, enough from me. Here is our latest edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Thanksgiving podcast. Also, our doubling is our Friday predictions podcast. Stick around till the very end. We will make our way, way too early predictions for Sunday night's game in Baltimore. Uh, but I sent this out to our Football Insider subscribers. I wanted some fill-in-the-blank questions. And, you know, they, they usually come through and give us some good ones. And, boy, Ken in Florida, he was feeling it. Uh, so his – okay, technically it wasn't a fill-in-the-blank question. I think when I sent it to you guys, I, I made it a fill-in-the-blank question. So – I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but uh, he said this, the part of the Thanksgiving meal that best represents the Browns right now is blank. Doug, you told us you had a good one. So let's hear it. Okay. So my wife likes this and I would say it's green bean casserole because I think if you grew up with green bean casserole, you love it. If your family always had it, if it was part of your upbringing, you can't really explain it, but you're dedicated to it. Kind of like the Browns. If you grew up with them and you love them, you just love them. But if if you kind of look at it from not an emotional standpoint, you're confused by it. It's like, what is this? Is it, why are there green beans in here? The, the, like there's little French onion little things sprinkled on top. And if you look at the Browns right now rationally and not just with your heart, and there's a lot of people listening right now and reading us who are just looking at them with their, your heart. If you look with your head to some degree, you're like, what is this? So that's what they are. I think you're right on the green bean casserole thing. Like if you didn't grow up with it, you're not really in, cause I didn't grow up with it, but my wife actually makes it every year. Like they had it in their house, but Doug, there is a twist to this answer you just gave. Oh, oh, no. So we're recording this. It's about five o'clock here on Wednesday. So about, what, six hours ago, we got to talk to Baker Mayfield, and he was asked most underrated and most overrated Thanksgiving side. His most overrated green bean casserole. I don't, I, think pick- that, that's, I don't think that's what you're trying to say necessarily, that, that overrated word. Maybe you are. I picked him to go 13 and four and they already got five losses. So they're overrated too. (laughs) It fits. 
<laughs> Can I say something about the green bean casserole here really quickly? Uh, I was very hurt when Baker disrespected the green bean casserole today, in part because, uh, you know, I just I'm my husband says that I'm in like a 26 year cooking slump. And it's true. Um, I am. It's going to come back. And he's confident it's going to come back. And I'm confident it's going to come back. I used to cook, um, but he's right. It's It's been about 26 years now. Um, and so my mom, all these years, knowing that, uh, you know, that I always had to work so hard around uh, Thanksgiving and really didn't have time. Uh, I was the green bean casserole girl. She spotted me the cans of green beans, the mushroom soup, and the can of little crunchy onion things. And basically all I had to do was dump it in the pan. I mean, it, and I probably still screwed it up, but so that that's who I have been all these years, the green bean casserole girl. That's my big contribution uh, to Thanksgiving dinner. So I was very hurt today when, when Baker talked about it in those terms. So some people would think you're the Joe Woods in this uh, in this analogy, because all you had to do was dump it in the pan and somehow uh, it just hasn't worked out as consistently as you would hope. Right? Exactly. The, the can of crunchy onion things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that what it says on the, on the can? Yes. So, all right. So so we've got green bean casserole. Scott, you had one. I did. My answer is the leftovers. The browns are the leftovers. Because now a lot of people like the leftovers. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. It kind of depends. Like the turkey will keep for a few days, but you got to eat those deviled eggs pretty soon. They're not going to keep the green bean casserole, not going to keep, but more than anything, leftovers are never going to be as good as they were on Thanksgiving when they were first put on the table. And that's kind of where the Browns are right now. They're just hanging on in different stages of decomposure, I guess. And, uh, Trying to make it through this season. Um, they're never going to be as good as they were when they started, but they could still be good. You know, if, if, if things fall the right way, some people will like them. Some people won't, they you know, that kind of thing. It's come down to consistency, but they're the leftovers. Okay. I, I like was not it. expecting that one. That's a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> Mary Kay and Ashley, did you have anything? I okay. did think of one. Yes. I have one. Do you have one, Ashley? Uh, yes. Okay, you go. Okay. I would say right now, I'm not picking a food thing, which I don't know if that's against the rules, but I'm going to do it unless you guys tell me I can't. I think the Browns right now are the vibe before your entire family gets there, but you know your family's going to argue about something, that there's the potential <laughs> for the entire evening to combust. Like, could be arguing about politics. It could be arguing about who won Dancing with the Stars. Like you just know it's a possibility. It's a very fluid situation. It's a very delicate situation. And you're waiting to see who is going to take the first shot that sets it all in flames. Or it could just turn into a really great night yes. of playing board games. Yes, right. it could. That's why you don't know. You don't know, kind of like Scott's and, you know, sometimes leftovers can be really good. You can make a really elaborate sandwich the next day and it could be better than what you ate the day before. You don't know. So I had to go with something that, you know, that little bit of unpredictability. But the idea that the Browns are some of the people you love the most that have the potential to make you raging mad yes. by the end of the night. Yeah. It's really the perfect analogy. I didn't say it. You did, Doug, but yes. Okay. So we've got green bean casserole, we've got leftovers, we've got family members, Mary Kay. <laughs> I'm going to go with the bird, the bird. Oh, I almost said that one. <laughs> that was actually going to be mine. Now, rumor has it that when you go to cook a turkey, and I've never cooked one myself, but and I, I want to keep the streak alive for the rest of my life. That's my goal. But, <laughs> um, but they tell me that when you do this, that you actually have to reach into the cavity of the bird. I, I don't know if this is true. It sounds very gross to me. I think this is true. You have to reach into the cavity of the bird and you pull out stuff, like really gross stuff, gizzards and, and really ugly things. Some people right? like eating that stuff too. It's weird. Long story. There's a corollary to this story. I have been plant-based for the last 12 days. So this is going to be an interesting Thanksgiving, but anyways, 
I digress. So you have to reach in and you find some really ugly stuff in there that you just might not have known was going to be there, right? I mean, you thought you had this beautiful bird. You're going to put it in the oven and it's going to come out rosy and beautiful, but it kind of starts out like with some gross stuff in there. And then you have to deal with some tough skin at some, in some parts. Some parts of it are, are great and mouthwatering and tender. Other parts aren't so great. You got to cut through some bones and some, <laughs> I'm going to be plant-based for the next <laughs> my life if I keep talking like this. But I mean, you, you, you know, you have to go through the challenge of, of trying to get through some of the uh, difficult things on this bird before you can maybe necessarily get to the good stuff. And that's the way the brown season has gone. Uh, there have been some surprising, yucky things in this brown season. And it hasn't always turned out to be rosy uh, the way that you hope that the turkey comes out of the oven. But just when you think that it's not going to turn out right, you just put it back in for another half hour. You wait till that little thermometer pops up and voila, it is a beautiful Thanksgiving turkey. Some white meat, some dark meat, everybody's happy. And the Browns still have the opportunity for the bird to come out right. There still is that chance. It's all right in front of them. Four division games left. Two big, enormous games against the Ravens coming up. They can change their fortunes by sweeping the Ravens right now, by going in there and stealing this one on Sunday night on national television. So that's it for me, the bird. I'm envisioning people around Cleveland reaching into their turkeys on Thursday morning and, <laughs> and pulling out Baker's shoulder brace right out of the middle of that bird. Our headline for this podcast, why the Browns are gross on the inside. That's, that's what we need to go with. Because everybody hurts, right? <laughs> well, and like when you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you're just sitting around waiting for that turkey to be done. Like we're just sitting around waiting for this team to like finally do what they're supposed to do. Okay, so while Mary Kay was talking about that, I, I got this one, and I'm, it's turkey-themed. So every year around this time, some fire department somewhere, somebody tweets out a video, don't deep fry your turkey, right? <laughs> some people do it, though, and they think it's, the, it's like the best turkey they've ever had. Other people burn down their houses. <laughs> this is where the Browns are right now. They are about to try to deep fry a turkey. And they're either going to come out of these next two games against the Ravens and have the best turkey they've ever had, or they're just going to burn their house down. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they're the pot with the, what is it, the fry oil or whatever in it. Mm -hmm. That's what the Browns are right now. And like I said, they're either going to be like people who deep fry a turkey think it's the best thing ever, but some people don't actually have a home to actually eat the turkey and that they tried to deep fry. That's the Browns right now. You know what, Dan, you're so right about that because it could all go up in smoke. It really could. I mean, this season could go up in smoke. And as Doug said, he picked them to go uh, 13 and four this season. A lot of us had 12 wins. Scott's cooler head prevailed <laughs> and picked 10 victories. Um, so you're right. It could go up in smoke. And the interesting thing about that is uh, the margin between the sky falling and the sun coming out is razor thin you know it's that it's that split second when you're dropping the turkey in the, in the pan <laughs> or the exactly. pot exactly i mean one loss or one victory can change the fortunes of this season just in the same way that one extra victory put them into the playoffs last year so they just it's just huge down the stretch here it, i mean even just over these next two games with the buy in between it could be over or it could be looking really, really good and people could start making plans again for February. So I like this analogy, Dan. I like the uh, the deep fried turkey. I have never tried deep turkey. Um, anybody here fried, fried deep fried turkey? I have. My dad was sitting outside of uh, their house when we went over. It was maybe five, six, seven years ago. I don't know. And, and yeah, he had to sit out there the whole time with the deep fryer. But we were all inside nice and warm waiting for him to, to cook the thing. It was good. I mean... Wasn't life changing. 
Okay. I think it is good that none of us picked like the nap after the meal where you just fall asleep on the couch and miss the entire football game, you know, <laughs> I think so that's a positive out of this exercise. Uh, we all seem to be on the same page, though, as far as not really sure or could go either way. I thought. Right. OK, well, Ken, you came through for us. That was solid. Uh, always one of our regular contributors, our football insider subscribers gives us hey, MKs, and now gives us a, a great discussion point here off the top of our podcast. So now let's go to John S. from York, Pennsylvania. And he said, thanks, love the podcast. So buttered us up a little bit. So John gets his question read. Also a good question. Uh, after battling injuries, inconsistent play, and a small media firestorm, Baker Mayfield's performance against the Ravens on Sunday will be blank. And it's worth noting here that Baker added to his growing list of injuries today. Uh, so it's now the shoulder, the knee, the foot, and now a groin injury. So we're up to four. So Baker Mayfield's performance on Sunday, after all of that, will be blank. And to be fair to everyone outside of that first one, I'm just kind of throwing This is the first time everyone else here is hearing these. I don't want to keep going first, but I'll go first. I would say more of the same. I don't think this is where it changes. I think he needs the buy to reset physically emotionally, mentally, schematically, and I'll be anticipating sort of what we've seen the past couple of weeks with him. And then maybe he and Kevin Stefanski dig in in the bye week and conjure up something different. And we see a, a more productive offense in round two against Baltimore. But I know Kareem Hunt and Jack Conklin are coming back, but I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for a magic solution to what Baker's dealing with at the moment. So more of the same. I think I kind of agree with you, Doug. I think if anything, we're going to be talking more about Kareem Hunt after this game than Baker Mayfield. Now Baker Mayfield might throw him a nice couple of passes that get the pass game going, maybe even a touchdown pass. I don't know, but I do think I'm looking for Kareem Hunt maybe to be a bit more explosive this game than Baker Mayfield suddenly having some transcendent performance out of nowhere after, after last week, especially. Well, if I haven't mentioned this yet, the Ravens have the 31st. <laughs> I tried to give whoa, you some whoa, credit whoa. there, Mary Kay, by saying that Kareem Hunt would be in the basket, but I'll let you, I'll let you go on your spiel. You've been on this work for the whole season now, basically. You're just now springing this on us, huh? <laughs> the Ravens have the 31st ranked pass defense in the NFL. They are without Marcus Peters. They're their two-time all-pro cornerback. They are now without their starting safety, Deshaun Elliott, starting a rookie in that spot. They don't have the pass rush that they used to have. And they're even worse than the Cleveland Browns when it comes to taking the ball away. They are tied for second fewest takeaways in the NFL with only eight five interceptions, three recoveries. Therefore, I think Baker's going to be better this game for some of those reasons and because Kareem is back. And when you've got Nick and Kareem, it just opens things up for the passing game. And uh, I think they're going to take some shots. Now, I think it will help him tremendously if Donovan Peoples-Jones plays in this game. He sat out today. We're not sure if he's going to play or not. Uh, but he is more of that deep threat and sort of reliable guy that you need in a situation like this. Uh, but I still think that the passing game is going to be better. So I expect him to be much improved. Uh, I, I, I would say his performance will be ideally unnecessary <laughs> in that mm. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb will have huge games. And the, the Ravens, their big issue is explosive plays. Like they just, they give up so many big plays uh, in all sorts of ways. And so ideally you're avoiding a lot of third downs. You're maybe even avoiding the red zone because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have broken plays and, and scored long touchdowns. And you're not in a position where you have to throw, um, even though the Ravens are better against the run, um, that would, that would be the perfect storm, I think. And then you get the week off to, to get even healthier. I mean, it's, it's gotta be better. It has, I mean, I looked this up today, just his last two games. And I think in the back of your mind, you know this, but when you see the numbers laid out against New England and Detroit, 26 of 50, 249 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and a 54 and a half rating. So, it, like, it's got to be better. It, it can't be that again. I mean, if it's that again, I mean, I'll be honest, if, 
the first half looks like these last two games, then like if Case Keenum doesn't play in the second half, Kevin Stefanski deserves all sorts of criticism for that. It's got, it's just got to be better than what we've seen the last two weeks. Like you think like football reason better because Hunt just, just and because it's, back or just like, well, it can't get any worse kind of like better. That, the, well, I, both. But yeah, I was thinking the latter. But yeah, I, I mean, it's got to be better for that in part. I don't think the latter is a real thing. I mean, like just because <laughs> something's terrible, the idea that, well, it can't be terrible again. It's like, well, it was terrible against the Patriots and it was terrible again against the Lions. So like, I think it definitely, it could be terrible again. Now, if you want to say, Hunt's going to take off a lot of pressure and no more Hans and you get Conklin in there and they get, he gets elite protection across the board. I mean, I think there's some stuff there, but I just, maybe I'm overdoing it. I know Mary Kay, you had talked about the late buy for them and that that bye week is when you really have the chance to sit down and readjust and also heal up. And I just, I just think maybe that's what they need that that again, not that that's magic, but I don't know. I like, Detroit's pretty awful (laughs) and the Browns barely won. And I know the Ravens have a low rank pass defense, but they're better than the lions. They're a much better. Not by by much when they played, took a 66 (laughs) yard field goal and a fourth and 19 conversion to win that game. The the Ravens would have won on Sunday. The Ravens would have beaten the Browns on Sunday because we can be dismissive of what, and I know the, the Ravens are what seven and three and they should be five and yeah. five because they've mm-hmm. had multiple games. They've won by the skin of their teeth, but they've also won them and, and they know how to win. They're well coached. They have a playmaking quarterback when he's healthy. The Ravens would have beaten the Browns on Sunday. If the Browns play like that, the Ravens are going to win. So I just, and I don't know that it's magic that, that, that I don't think the lions game has to be the bottom. I don't, I don't think they're going to play like that the entire rest of the year, but I don't know that there's anything in front of us that tells us that has to be the bottom. And now this is the bounce back. You know, he was so weirdly inaccurate in that game. And it's just hard for me to imagine that he's going to be that inaccurate again. I mean, that was just bizarre. And again, I don't know if that's because he wasn't able to plant or move the way that he usually does or what the heck it was. Uh, But I, I guess I'm just, I just find it so hard to believe that he can keep being that inaccurate and that you can keep missing Jarvis Landry and not connect with him when we've seen them do it so often together. Uh, And maybe it's too simple to say bringing Kareem back and getting that passing game opened up uh, is going to make such a big difference. But I do think the fact that the Ravens are so vulnerable to those explosive plays, uh, I I do think that they will hit some of them. And it's, you know, it might not be, a 60, 70 yard throw down the field, but it could be hitting David Njoku over the middle for, uh, you know, for 23, three yards and he runs for another 40 or something like that. Um, So I do think that they're going to be better in the passing game than they have been these past couple of weeks. So I I, I do want to throw out there though, just, I, I kind of flippantly said this, but like, again, to me, if the first half, this game looks like last week Kevin's got to make a move right like this is this is the time when he's got to say okay enough's enough like he's either too banged up or he's not effective like we got to win this game I mean does that become the breaking point they scored 14 I mean 13 in the first half last week and he came out and made his best throw in a month in the beginning of the second half and then it went downhill. He did miss throws in the first half, right? But he also made some throws that he didn't really make any throws against the Patriots. So he at least had hit a couple. I don't, the, the hard thing about it is I think Keenum has a, puts a, a ceiling on your offense and an injured Baker puts a ceiling on your offense. But if you think that, Baker at his best is lurking anywhere in there. There's an upside that doesn't exist with Keenum. And I just, I don't know. Like I, I'm not in a huge hurry to get to case Keenum because the way case Keenum, I think it would win the game for you is by handing it off to Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt and hitting little throws, which is like, well, Baker could probably do that. 
our complaints with Baker is that he's not doing the other stuff. He's not threatening down the field. He's not making any big plays. And so I think like you'd be giving into that. So unless you're trying to protect his health or, I mean, you know, unless he's one of 20, like I just, I don't, I don't know. I feel like Case Keenum is sort of like injured Baker. It's like, what happened? What if you took Baker Mayfield and pulled his groin, his heel, his knee and his shoulder? It's like, oh, it'd be Case Keenum. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's, they have two of them now. So I don't know. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I'm just not in a hurry to get, get Baker off the field if he can physically do it at all. I think too, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Dan's deep fried turkey analogy that if Kevin Stefanski benches Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield is healthy enough to be out there and he still does that, that could send things up in flame so easily, I think. Like, that would be really difficult to come back from. And I think it's quite honestly a decision that once you make it is irreversible in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Doug, about is healthy case better than injured Baker? And I know, you know, we've talked about are these injuries just too much for him right now? If it's in his best interest health-wise to sit in, then I think it's okay to make that decision. If not, and he actually feels better this upcoming week than last week, then I don't know how that ultimately goes over. And I think a lot of people um, equate healthy or Case Keenum with four years ago, Case Keenum. That's not necessarily the case. You know, he's, he's not the same guy not that he was in Minnesota. And he kind of proved that in the, in his stops following uh, that year. So, yeah, I don't think he's done anything here that would make any, that should make anybody think that he is definitively the answer. Yeah. I I think, I think we have to be cautious with Case Keenum and remember like one Minnesota didn't resign him and two, they had the best defense in football that year, but, but Mary Kay, I mean, is that something that Kevin would have to consider if Baker struggled or, I mean, are you kind of with Doug and everybody else like, just write it out. Well, I mean, this game is so important that if you are looking out there and you see that Baker Mayfield is the reason that they are really struggling and that you don't see any hope for him coming back, then then you do have to consider it. And there is something that I have always thought about quarterbacks. Uh, I think that coaches uh, treat them with kid gloves too often. I do think that, okay, if you're having a really, really horrible game and you're throwing a couple of picks in the first half, let's say, which probably won't happen this game because they don't get interceptions. But um, if that were happening, I wouldn't have any problem with uh, sitting him down for the second half of a game or for the whatever, for whatever part of the game you feel like you need to sit him down for. And then coming back to him the next game, if, if you feel like you he gets healthier and you change things up and you can start him again. I don't necessarily think it means that you've reached the point of no return. If you have a chance to win the game, with case and it's not going to happen and you don't feel like it's going to happen with Baker. I wouldn't have a huge, huge problem with that. Uh, They have to be, you know, really ready to feel like Baker is not bringing us back from this. Um, But I think you can pull him, sit him and come back to him again. And I think you can do that if you had to do it in this situation, this season, if you had to do it multiple times, do it multiple times. Quarterbacks shouldn't be like a piece of glass. You should be able to say, hey, you're not getting the job done today. So you go sit down over there for a little while. Let's see what Case can do. And we'll revisit this the next game. Like man up. Sometimes that happens. Let's change this discussion a little bit and focus a little more on this game specifically from Robert Seltzer in El Paso, Texas. Hey, speaking of Case Keenum, Blank will be the hero in this game for the Browns. We might already know the answer to this. We've all been talking about Kareem Hunt coming back in this game and, and just kind of having a, a new energy and a new vibe. And, you know, he's not stained by the uh, stressful last five weeks. I mean, this has been a tough month with Odell Beckham Jr. and losing to the Patriots the way they did and the victory over the Lions that still feels like a loss. Uh, so he just comes back with a fresh set of legs, a fresh pair of eyes. And, uh, and I think that... Uh, that he's going to be ready to strap the city of Cleveland, his hometown onto his back and say, let's go out and win this darn game. So I'm going to go with Kareem in this one. 
I don't think the Browns are in any position to get into another shootout with the Ravens. So I think if they win, the hero will be Joe Woods because he will have figured out a way or at least come up with a scheme that slows down everything that uh, Lamar Jackson does to hurt a team. Uh, that's, I mean, they, they, that has to happen in some form or fashion, I think, for them to, to win either of these two games is you have to have a good uh, plan and, and execute it to, to kind of just keep him in check. I mean, he's going to get loose. He's going to run. You need to, to limit that and you need to make it as difficult as possible for him to pass. Um, there have been some teams this season that have accomplished that. Um, so I think if they do win, it's Joe Woods is going to have a big role in, in it happening. So I'll throw out mine since you mentioned the defense. And I, I think, right, so we all know Lamar Jackson, like absolute freak. So what do you need to stop a guy like that? You need a physical freak on the other side of the ball. And there's two guys on this defense that I look at like that to different levels. One is Jeremiah Wusukorma. I think he is like freakishly athletic. But the other guy, and the most obvious one, and the one that just tops the chart, is Miles Garrett. And I always feel like Miles Garrett is like, there aren't many defensive ends that can chase around Lamar Jackson. I feel like Miles Garrett is one of those guys that he can cause problems for Lamar Jackson. That Ravens line isn't quite what it used to be. This is the reason why you have, we've talked so much about, well, you drafted JOK, you have these three safeties to, to get after Lamar. To me, it's, this has to be a Miles Garrett game. It doesn't mean he has to get a bunch of sacks because it's really hard to sack Lamar Jackson, but he's got to keep Lamar contained. He's got to chase him down and he's got to make Lamar really uncomfortable in the backfield. And I think if the Browns defense shows up and wins this game for them, I think Miles Garrett is going to be one of the reasons. Now, the thing about the Ravens, their tackles are horrible this year. I mean, they're bad. If they're going to hold off Miles Garrett, they are going to have to double and triple team him. There's no question about that because they are really bad. And we've seen the other formula uh, for getting to Lamar, and that's just blitzing the heck out of him. So you're right, Dan, when you talk about JOK, uh, who is the best blitzer or was the best blitzer on the team before he suffered a high ankle sprain. Uh, he, you know, Lamar is the kind of player that they got JOK to help defend. Uh, but I watched JOK in practice pretty closely today. And um, I watched him in those early drills and he came up, I don't know, he came up limping a little bit after, I, I think I actually have it on, on video. I haven't tweeted it out yet, but, um, but he came up limping a little bit. So he's not himself yet. He might be himself or more himself by the time he gets to Sunday. But right now, uh, I think he's struggling a little bit. So we'll have to see how that goes. But you're right. I think that Miles can be huge in this game, but you know. John Harbaugh knows that he is going to have to have people draped all over miles or he can wreck this game. And can these safeties blitz if JOK can't do it? I mean, can somebody else do it? I think they can. And I probably, I think they probably will, but, um, but maybe since the dolphins did that to him, maybe they, maybe they're ready for that. Cause they know that it's coming. going to be very interesting to see how they try to defend Lamar and Mark. Yeah, the, the other thing real quick with Miles is um, he might be going against uh, Alejandro Villanueva, who right. if you've watched the Browns Steelers games over the last couple of years, Miles did a lot of pushing him into the backfield mm-hmm. when, uh, when they played the Steelers. So that's a Matt. He was probably thrilled when he decided to stay in the AFC North. Yeah. He's, he's struggling this season. He's not, he's not playing well and they're going to have to give him, all the help that that he needs and then of course you can you can move um miles around a little bit but i think that that matchup is one that he's going to win uh nine times out of ten so the ravens have terrible tackles a terrible pass defense all their running backs are hurt how are they seven and three they have lamar jackson (laughs) and justin tucker that's why lamar is getting mvp consideration even after that miami debacle they do a lot of specific things well. It looks bad. It's kind of like uh, the turkey uh, analogy that, that Mary Kay <laughs> used. From the outside, uh, maybe it doesn't look so good. It's kind of reversed. But on the inside, you get a little closer, they do a lot of good things really well that, uh, well, that are important. So. You know, I think they're, they're starting to – their receivers are starting to play pretty well, right? Um, Bateman and Sammy Watkins, uh, they're, they're starting to play 
pretty well. And then Mark Andrews has been a load all season long. So those are the specific things that they have done well. They're going to have to run it by committee beyond uh, Lamar because they just, you know, all their running backs have been injured. So the thing, the key for the Browns is to get them off the field and get the Browns offense back on the field. They just don't want to be dealing with uh, too much time of possession with Lamar to Mark Andrews and company. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll say, I already said Kareem, how important I think Kareem is can't overstate it, but another guy defensively that I think is going to be really important considering what Mary Kay brought up that both of these teams have not been able to get a lot of takeaways so far. Who's the one guy who has in recent weeks, Denzel Ward. So I think that's another way to, to neutralize Lamar when he's, you know, looking to looking to throw. And if Denzel can have another big game, just another weapon for this defense that really badly, I think needs it right now. And the Ravens, <laughs> the Ravens have seven wins. Two of them are in overtime and three others are by three points or fewer. Man, oh, what yeah. is up? What is up? Well, it's, here's, it's crazy. So, so here's the thing though. And Scott said it, right. Part of it's Lamar, but some of it is like, they have a kicker that made a six that can make a 66 yard field goal. Nobody else has that. But, so, you know, you get into these close games, they have Lamar Jackson who in Kansas city gifts you a fumble and they should be running out the clock and setting up a game winning field goal of their own. They have a quarterback that can lead a game winning drive and just make, you know, pull out crazy plays out of nowhere. So that's sort of, that's sort of how it is with them. They can keep a game close and they just have the little pieces here and there that can go win you those close games. I wonder how Lamar is going to be feeling. I mean, I watched a little bit of his press conference today and he, he still seemed almost like a little raspy. I'm sure he's lost some weight. Uh, now he's got time to get well and to get better by Sunday, but it seemed like this was a pretty significant virus. I mean, you guys probably watched him walk into the game uh, or saw highlights of him walking into the game on Sunday and he looked pretty bad. So I wonder if he's going to have his strength back, his speed back and everything that he needs, because this game is going to come down to him being amazing. I mean, he's just going to have to uh, put the cape on in the way that Patrick Mahomes put the cape on in the second half of that game against Cleveland Browns, because they don't have a complete team this season. And man for man, the Browns have more talent, I think still than the Baltimore Ravens do this season. And, but the quarterback can make up for a lot of ills on your football team. I was going to say a healthy JOK. If he, if he can do it, I mean, that's why he's here. It felt like the Browns, what, at two, the two pieces they added this offseason that were sort of almost Lamar specific were John Johnson III and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. You know, watching John Johnson III play that DeAndre Swift run last week, I'm not picking him. So um, I just thought JOK right before he got hurt was rising to the level of like this guy is an every down difference maker. And if he's anywhere close to himself, I think he'll, he'll have a chance to show that that he could be not a Lamar stopper, but a Lamar slower. And that's what the Browns need. Do you guys want to do a quick, uh, a quick detour into the emotions podcast? <laughs> and then we'll, and then we'll make our picks. This sure. actually, this is like the emotions podcast and also a topic that Doug absolutely loves. Uh, Baker Mayfield will feel blank if his contract isn't extended by the start of next season. Mm. My first thought, I'll throw this out there. I'm curious what you guys think. My first thought was maybe relieved because I'm sure he wants the money and I'm sure he wants the signing bonus, but after this year, he's not going to get the money. He's not getting a Josh Allen deal. He's not getting a Dak deal. He might not ever get that, but I would imagine getting healthy and, and playing like he thinks he can play. Obviously he's got to do it. Would give him an opportunity to make up maybe some money he lost this season. That's a good one. Hmm. I, I need to think of the right word because <laughs> I know how uh, I would want to describe it. And this goes back to a column that I wrote about the fact that, uh, that I believe that it will be a two way street between the Cleveland Browns and uh, and Baker Mayfield when it comes to his future, depending on how this season plays out. If it doesn't go well, then I think that you're going to have two parties getting together and trying to figure out the path forward. So I don't know 
that he necessarily is, would be jumping for joy to head into contract uh, extension talks. There, there's a little bit of a disconnect in, in my opinion going on right now. And I, I, again, I don't know if everybody is overly thrilled about the way things are going. And because of that, right now, again, everything can change. You beat the Ravens twice, you win the AFC North, and you go to the AFC Championship game, and, um, you know, everything's different. Everything is different. The turkey comes out beautifully. Um, but, you know, short of that, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs, um, then I think that, um, that Baker Mayfield's camp is going to be sitting down with the Cleveland Browns and they're all going to talk about, okay, what do we do now? So I don't know if he's, you know, just sitting on the edge of his chair waiting for a contract extension is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, so the question was, how will he feel? Yeah. He'll feel blank. I think, I think publicly he'll say he feels nothing. Uh, privately he'll, he'll feel motivated. I would suspect. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree that it's not happening at this point and he's going to have to go through another year to kind of prove that, that he deserves that. So uh, yeah, that's where I'm going. He'll, I'm, I mean, if it doesn't motivate him, I don't, then what are we doing? Um, but he will publicly say that it does not matter to him. That's a good one, Scott. I like that. Yeah. Motivated. That's good. I couldn't think of a word I had to use. Like I had to speak in chapters. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't come up with the word for what I was trying to say. Resigned? I don't know. It's a good one, too. Doug or Ashley, you got one? Doug looks very thoughtful. Right? Doug's deep in thought here. Oh, it's because I don't really know what I'm talking about, so I was going to just <laughs> try to say a fancy word. That's a trick. That's a journalist trick. If you don't know what you're talking about, just put fancy words out there. I knew a guy who did that all the time. So I guess my – I was going to say, like, See, I just, I get on this podcast and I think what I think. And then I'm Mary Kay says stuff. And I'm like, oh no, that's probably true. <laughs> Better change my opinion. She knows what she's talking about. I was going to say irrationally disrespected, like that he would somehow take it as like, how dare you not sign me? I'm going to show you when it's like, have you seen how you've played? Nobody would give you a contract right now. Right. So, but maybe, but maybe that's not right. So um, I don't, I, I think motivated is probably more, is closer to the right word because motivation does not imply disrespect necessarily. You can be motivated two ways. You can be like, I'll show you, but you can also be like, you know what? I've got to be better. I'm going to show myself. And I think there were probably some combination of both of those would factor into a motivated Baker Mayfield, but given the realities of what's happening right now, if it, there's not a drastic change and he just, just doesn't look like he did in the second half of last year, then maybe it would not be like disrespect very much at all. It would be more internal. I've got to be better. I've got to get healthy. I'm going to be better. I want to show the world for me and for my team, I'm going to do it. And, and there maybe would not be that edge to it that my words would have implied. So I respectfully withdraw my answer and I'll pass <laughs> to Ashley. Yeah. You know, I think, Scott kind of nailed it. Like, I don't think Baker would ever publicly say anything super fiery about this, but I do think he would be fired up about it internally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a player who relies on that chip on his shoulder. I think sometimes he creates that chip on his shoulder in a lot of ways because he feels like he has to, and that's when he plays his best. So I think motiva motivated or however else you – whatever synonym you want to think of, because every word I thought of as I was sitting here was just a synonym <laughs> for motivated. Um, so I'll just t let Scott take all the credit because I think it's pretty spot on. I thought of a word. <laughs> <laughs> I have my word. I just synthesized. Well, too, too late. Time to make our prediction. <laughs> Come on. You have to let her say it now. I'm on the edge I, of my My 2000 word soliloquy has now been boiled down into the word disillusioned. Disillusioned. If he doesn't have an extension heading into next season, he will be disillusioned. So, but I guess in the end, a baker with no extension, but who's healthy, does then, 
does not having the contract before next season make him play better or make him play worse or have zero effect? It depends on how this season plays out. Okay. Are you asking it? Will he play better if he's healthy? No, that he is healthy. So let's say he's healthy. He'll be better because he's healthy. But then when you pile on top of that, no extension. Well, not having the extension, will that be like, I'm motivated, I'm playing for my pride, but I'm also playing for cash, and that's a big deal, and he'll play better? Or like, will he press because he's trying to get a big contract, and now he's going to, I'm healthy, and I'm going to, now he throws a bunch of picks and operates outside the offense or something. Like, you know, that that I'm always curious, because we always talk about contract years for guys, right? That's a thing in sports. And some guys thrive in contract years, and some guys shrivel in contract years. So if he's really playing with almost his not his career necessarily, but the contract on the line, I just I would be curious how you guys think that would affect him. I was going to say it depends on how the season's going. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it depends on if he doesn't have the extension because he doesn't want it or because they didn't want to sign him to it. And therein lies the key. If he doesn't play somewhat significantly better, like how could they want to sign him to it? You mean after you mean like if he's not better in the last in the last six games, six games there's no way they're going to want to want well, to sign him to it, right? Well, there's an out, and that is the whole injury piece. I mean, if you have you know head and shoulders, knees and toes, and you can't play, then surely you deserve an enormous extension. You were just hurt and you were playing hurt. So plus the fact that he's under contract for next season too. So yeah. It's yeah, not like they no. have to make that decision on whether no. or not Baker's on this team. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, the the Browns have the leverage here, right? They have the fifth year option. They have the franchise tags. Obviously, Baker could say he wants traded or, or something like that if that stuff starts to happen, but he doesn't have quite the leverage yet to do that because he just doesn't, doesn't have the performance, but you know, well, I guess we'll see how that all plays out. It, it could get very, uh, very interesting. Mary Kay, you laid a lot of that out in, in that column last week. All right. We got to pick this game. Browns are three and a half point underdogs here on Wednesday. How are we feeling about this one? Cause this is another one of those games that I can't quite decide on. And so I'm just kind of going with the gut feeling I had early in the week, but I want to hear your guys' cases to see if anybody can change my mind. Well, I'll go first. I'm going to give this the most optimistic reading I can on Wednesday before a Sunday night game, um, looking at the situation for both teams. And, and Mary Kay, I think, had a good point about how we really don't know the state of Lamar Jackson. Um, and how he'll be on Sunday. I'm going to say Browns 20, Ravens 17. Um, I don't, I don't see the Browns scoring more than that um, for all the reasons they've struggled, you know, in recent weeks. Um, Conklin coming back is great, but again, this is this would be his first game, you know, back. And then Kareem Hunt, same thing, first game back, first week of practice, not even a, a full week. You got a holiday in there, um, so. Uh, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be low scoring. And uh, I just, I think the Browns have an opportunity to win this game. It's like Scott is reading my mind today. <laughs> because I, I was on sports for CLE earlier today and I did make a similar score prediction. I believe I said, I either said 21-17 or 21-18. But I don't think the Browns are going to score more than 21 points right now. I'm not confident in that given everything I said on the Sunday post game pod, but for some reason you just feel like they're going to do it. And again, we don't know how Lamar Jackson is going to look and how hard this mystery virus, whatever it was hit him. I think the Browns are starting finally mercifully to get healthier right now at the right time, hopefully. And as long as those guys who are now healthy can actually come on the field and produce and not really miss a beat. I like their chances right now. I disagree. <laughs> of course you do, Doug. I don't think we're at the bottom yet. I think the bottom will come in Baltimore. I think Scott's point of like guys are back, but they're not like fully integrated, practicing fully or whatever in the flow. 
So I'll say something like Ravens, like 24, 13, something like that. And then I think they get to the bye week. The healthy guys get even healthier. They reset. They're 500. They're getting Baltimore again at home. And it's like, here it is, guys. Like, this is it. What, what are you going to do now? You, you have a chance to save your season. Are you going to do it? And I think it's possible that the team that we see in Baltimore this Sunday and then the team we see two weeks later looks like they changed the whole roster. That I think the reset, everything, mental, emotional, physical, might allow them to set themselves up for a run at the end of this season that will save their season. So I think, I think this is not it yet. So I, I got a loss. I'm, I'm going to let Mary Kay bring it home because I think I know what she's picking, but I'm, I'm actually kind of on Doug's side of this. I just coming out of that game on Sunday. And I've said this kind of all week, like something's off, something's weird, something's wonky with this team. And we've seen plenty of examples of teams that go to the bye week like Tampa last year is the ultimate like, hey, they got that late bye week and they didn't lose the rest of the way. Like they were up and down. Nobody thought they were going to go win the Super Bowl. And then they went on their bye week, fixed everything. And boom, they went they went to the Super Bowl. The, the Eagles a few years ago when they had to replace Carson Wentz had that playoff bye week and they turned that into a Super Bowl run. The Browns to a lesser degree because they didn't go quite as far kind of turn things around in their bye week. So I think there's still hope after this game, but just my, my gut feeling on Monday was like something's off and maybe these guys just need to get on airplanes and go away for like a week and like just get away from each other and not be in the locker room and not whatever, whatever that just get away from the building. And, and maybe that kind of cleanses everything a little bit, but until that happens, I still just something's something's not right. And I don't think you go into Baltimore and win when something's not right even if the Ravens aren't quite the Ravens we thought they would be. So I'm going to say Baltimore 23, Brown 17. You know, this is such a tough one to pick because you just don't know which team is going to show up on either side of the ball, right? It's just been a weird season, but it's been that way throughout the NFL. I mean, every every time I look at the scores on, uh, on Sunday, it's like, huh? <laughs> what happened? Uh, and so... Uh, These two teams have had blowout victories. They've almost uh, lost to really bad teams. And so I think that makes this a very, very difficult pick. But I think that the Browns are going to put it together in this game. I think that Baker Mayfield needed to blow off steam and have his freak out moment last week. I think he needed to walk off that field and have his little tantrum and, um, and get his mind right. And I think it helped him get his mind right. I think he had to have a conversation the next day with Kevin Stefanski where they had to clear the air a little bit. And he had, they had, Baker had to say what he felt he had to say. And Kevin said some things. I don't know if that happened, but I'm imagining that that happened. Um, (laughs) And I think that uh, the players saw their quarterback stalk off the field like that and realized we got to have this guy's back more than we, more than we do right now. We've got to do, we've got to pick it up a notch in every way, shape, or form. I think the two leaders on the team, Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett, are going to lead the team the way that they're supposed to. Not by calling out a defensive coordinator, not by walking off the field, but by really showing the true leadership that it's going to take to turn this thing around. I think they're going to overwhelm the Ravens with uh, intensity and emotion. I think they're going to hit them with it. And I think Kareem Hunt coming back is going to infuse such an energy into this football game and it's going to be contagious. And I think it's going to pick everybody up. And I think that they're going to exploit some of the weaknesses of the Ravens. And I think they match up pretty well against them. We watched what the Bengals went in there and did to the Ravens. I think it's, it, I don't know if it's going to be 41 to whatever it was in that game, 41 to seven or something. Um, But I think it's going to be a more convincing victory like 30 to 20 or something like that. Uh, And I don't know. I just feel like the Browns are getting healthy and they're, they're getting their minds right. And they're understanding 
that it's now or never do or die. And I think they're going to do. Can I just ask the people who are picking the Browns to win? You don't have to look into the future all the way, but do you think the Browns are going to sweep the Ravens? The Browns are going to sweep the seven and three well-coached MVP caliber quarterback Ravens at this point in the year, the Browns that we've been watching. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to sweep them. I, I want to watch this game first. I don't know if they're going to sweep them. That, that seems like a bit of a reach, but um, it's definitely not impossible if they truly match up with them uh, in the right places. Yeah. I mean, we just got done talking about how are the Ravens, how do they have the record that they have? So for me, I, I don't know. It's just a feeling. Maybe that's not the best analytical journalisty answer, but I just feel like they're going to do it this weekend. And once we see them this weekend, then I'll make the call for two weeks from now, I guess, three weeks from now. I don't know. I can't do math, but then I'll make that call on the next Ravens game after this one. But I can't think that far into the future, Doug. We have the, we have the possibility of a deep fried Turkey lighting everything on fire for all we know to bring it back to the food. <laughs> and this, that is replacing like an asteroid hitting the earth. And it's going to a deep fried Turkey could, could burn down all of Cleveland. Or I'm gonna, it could be great. So we don't or know. It could be great. Right. I, I promise that I'm going to pick the Browns to beat the Ravens in Cleveland after their bye week, after they have a mental, emotional, and physical reset. Because I think these teams are probably too close that any, no one's going to sweep anybody. But if I'm going to pick the Browns to lose one, I'm going to pick while they're on fumes, go into Baltimore. And then they can reset and come home and then they'll win in Cleveland. So that's, you know, I know I don't like to look into the future either. But I linked my thought process because of how weird this schedule is. I linked the two games in my head and I figured they'd go one and one. But you know what, Doug, you're forgetting the fact that um, on the road, Baker Mayfield doesn't have to worry about Browns fans messing up the offense. That is, <laughs> that is absolutely ruthless. That was, that was unbelievable that, was, that you just said that. That was honestly my wow. thought. Like, I, I swear I woke up in like a haze <laughs> on Tuesday and I'm like, wait a second. What about on the road? There, what does he expect on the road? That rationale makes no sense. I was embarrassed that it took me that long to think of it. Uh, I tweeted a mini video, just like five seconds from the TV broadcast of Baker, like tamp, trying to camp, tamp the crowd down. And my whole week has been my Twitter responses, people arguing back and forth. And it's like 50, 50 and half the people think he's a whiner who needs to shut his mouth about this. And half the people are like Peyton Manning used to say the same thing, be smarter fans and be quiet for your quarterback. And it's all week. And it's, it's interesting. I almost want to write about it because I feel like it's a mini, it's a mini discussion about the larger Baker thing that some people think he's being a good football player and other people think he's being like, whatever. And it's like, are we really talking about crowd noise or are we really talking about the franchise quarterback? But anyway, go my Twitter mention. Just beautiful. Sounds, sounds, apparently like we're talking about place, golf that's not a place where i want to be this week between that and the ohio state michigan game oh, by, by the way double harbaugh weekend double harbaugh weekend for people who root for the browns and the buckeyes yeah hey. so you heard it here first basically doug's picking a harbaugh over an ohio team for this pick well well real quick favorite harbaugh uh, is there a discussion on that I don't know. I, for, I, I think you abstain because since I covered the other one, so I have to keep my journalistic integrity by not making I mean, a pick. Now, as a, as a reporter or just as a viewer, because I don't know. I mean, if one dude's climbing trees. I that I'm going to go with that guy. Doug, there's no discussion if you say John. Find me the the human who would say that their favorite Harbaugh is Jim over John. I don't. Who would that be? What would be the rationale for that? And I'm not taking a shot at Jim Harbaugh. I just think John Harbaugh is a lovely fellow. So that's all that is. He was the special teams coach when, uh, when I was still working a little bit in Philadelphia. And it was like, oh, there's this uh, special teams coach guy seems kind of sharp. And then it was like, oh, he's a head coach now. I was like, what? And here he is two decades so where, later, still doing the same thing. Yeah. Where did he go in our coach draft? He went pretty high. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Our coach oh, right. he's, I've, I've, he's very high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've told this story before. We used to do conference calls with the coaches, the opposing coaches every week. Unfortunately, we've lost those. But usually what happens is, you know, they have it on speakerphone. 
somebody picked it rings you pick it up at some PR person some intern usually or something like that when it was Ravens week the phone rings they pick it up it's on speaker and all I hear is this is John Harbaugh how you doing my favorite John Harbaugh moment was uh, when he felt the need to tell the Cleveland media that his brother did not in fact pick his nose on national TV during on the sideline uh, while coaching Michigan and uh, that we all had it wrong. That's, that's a loving brother. So maybe he is the better Harbaugh for real. Which, which brother are you picking the guy accused of picking his nose or the guy <laughs> defending the brother of picking his nose is there's no discussion. All right, there we go. Our favorite Harbaugh's. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And look, uh, maybe you're listening to this on Thanksgiving. Maybe you're listening uh, the day after. Get a little sappy here. We certainly appreciate all of you who listen to this podcast. Because every now and again, I'm like, do people really like put their earbuds in and listen to me talk? Maybe they're not tuning in to listen to me talk, but they still do it. So uh, we certainly appreciate that. We certainly appreciate our Football Insider subscribers, too, who gave us these questions uh, today. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Uh, this is going to be it for this week. So the next podcast will be... Ooh, really early in the morning, Monday morning. We'll have a post-game podcast coming off that Ravens game, whatever happens. Who knows what kind of state of mind we're all going to be in by the time we hit record on that. But that's going to be the next edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So for Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.